Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're looking at an old story, but it's a story that is so relevant to us today. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in your past history. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. I mean, of course it does. I mean, we're all products of that, but it doesn't matter as far as your ability to relate to a powerful story. To help us with something that is ever practical is Fawn Zwickle. Fawn, it is so great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Dr. DeRoss. Fawn, and what we're talking about, of course, is a, a book that you've co-authored. It's called From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg, A Memoir of World War II Combat and the International Military Tribunal. The reason we're talking about it is because it doesn't matter whether we talk about historical trauma in Indian country or whether we talk about recent trauma in America occasioned by the COVID-19 pandemic. All of us at some time in our lives face trauma, and we can learn from those who've walked before us. Isn't that one of the messages you've been trying to communicate? Yes, definitely, along with other messages, a little more simple, kind of like being humble. Don't act like you're owed something. The World War II generation always knew where they came from. Um, They either had the proverbial silver spoon in their mouth or they didn't. Either way, they were raised to respect and comprehend their lineage. It was really important uh, to know their roots, listen to the stories about their family's history and their legacies, and know where they came from. Um, don't act like an elitist or entitled or spoiled. The world doesn't owe you anything. So just be humble and work hard to achieve your potential in life. This is this is powerful stuff, Fawn, because I know a lot of folks uh, today, regardless of what challenges they're dealing with, it's easy to get so focused on the present. And, I mean, that's the, that's the world in which we live. And yet we can learn so much from our elders. Of course, this is something that is embedded in Indian country, a respect for elders and the wisdom of past generations. You have a unique connection with um, a chapter in American and world history that uh, for some people is pretty blurry. World War II and that whole World War II era is not something that is discussed as much today as it was, uh, say, 30 years ago. Why is this so personally uh, meaningful to you, Fawn? Well, it's meaningful because it's my grandfather. And nothing is more prized to me other than my children. But my grandfather is my world in most circles. Um, He's always been very influential. He's taught me to be humble. He's taught me to be honest. He's taught me to be truthful with myself and anyone who I want to be around. Um, You know, the story behind learning his was basically um, my daughter had started a middle school genealogy report, and we went on Ancestry.com. We got my grandfather's World War II documentation. We looked it over, and I got hungry for more. I asked my grandfather for permission to track down the file. 
He granted it right away because he was a little curious to what was written inside. Uh, went to the National Archives website, filled out a DD-214 form, and just waited. And I waited for what felt like months. Finally, the packet came in the mail, and it explained my grandfather's file was one of the 16 to 18 million records that was incinerated in the 1973 fire at the National Personnel Records Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. And the contents of the packet, the contents of the packet was all they could recover of his file. And the archivist informed us it, the inaccuracies might be there. So if we wanted to, we can petition to the Army Review Board for corrections. And I did that immediately. And I've been fighting with them for now about four years. Uh, so I guess you can say, how could I not tell his story? It was too remarkable and not enough attention was given to the GIs that fought to get up the ranks uh, because there was, there, there was anti-Semitism, there was persecution. Um, so also it was, it was upsetting uh, observing what my kids were learning uh, in school about World War II's history and the greatest generation that ever lived. The page or so that was given to understand the scope of the generation never did the time period or the people that lived in it justice. Mm. I'm hoping to change that with his story. I want our generation to have that connection because it will be our loss and our kids' loss if we didn't. I so appreciate what you're doing. So the book From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg is really the life story of, uh, of your grandfather. Yeah. And it basically walks you through from the time he was in the inception in May of 1942, walks you through everything that happened. And we did not cover up anything. We did not. I mean, I know my grandmother will always say to me, why do you have to talk about his, you know, the um, his schooling, for instance, he only went up to eighth grade. Now, Back then, that was that's what they did. If you didn't advance in school, you became a tradesman, and you learned. Um, and he had a successful life for it. It's not like you know, he, nothing was off the table. You you applied yourself and you picked up things. And so it walks you through the whole entire war, everything that happened, and some of it might be a little embarrassing, but for the most part. It was scary as hell. And um, you can see it through the movies, like Saving Private Ryan, which was the closest one that got to the beach scene on Omaha Beach. But he said the one big part that it was missing was the destroyer that came in, actually, and saved the day, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, because without that coverage from that, that it was the uh, USS Frankfurt, uh, without that destroyer coverage, they would have lost. And then we would have been speaking German or, you know, Japanese, who knows? So it's, it's something that allows individuals, um, either kids, not kids, but like school age kids to hear and feel, see, you know, what this life was like. Fawn, this is a, a story that I believe has special relevance in Indian country. And a lot of people are listening. They're saying, oh, wait a minute. They're, they're listening between the lines. And uh, I know your background, your, your grandfather's background. You're from Jewish lineage. A lot of my listeners are saying, well, I, I don't know what this has to do with Native Americans. But a lot of the same issues with uh, a minority population uh, not being really given 
maybe all the opportunities that were given to uh, the, the majority population, individuals who were fighting side by side with uh, Caucasian GIs, uh, whether they were Native American, whether they were Jewish, whether they were African American, some of these other segments uh, of the American population that haven't been um, really given their fair share of credit for what was accomplished, but more than that, for really recognizing some of the hardships they faced in taking on one of the greatest uh, challenges uh, that our globe has seen. So folks may have seemed to have been very challenged recently with the COVID-19 pandemic that has been challenging the world. But if you look at uh, World War II, uh, I guess you could say that uh, some of the challenges we're facing today uh, might seem small to uh, some individuals like your grandfather. Is that a fair assessment to make? Yeah. And without getting like too psychoanalytic or existential, but we as human beings exist with choices, freedoms, and responsibility. And those ideals and behaviors can be learned from our past and can shape our future. And World War II time period should never be forgotten for the atrocities that were committed, but it should also be remembered because of our brave countrymen that had the intestinal fortitude to persevere. To behave that way was learned somewhere. And we owe it to them to continue learning that same moral code. So, Fawn, there's a lot that you could share on today's show. But why don't you bring us back to the beginnings of your grandfather's military service? Uh, was he drafted? Did he volunteer? How did that all play out? Yeah, he enlisted in May of 1942. And he specifically remembered going back to December 7th, um, 1941, when Pearl Harbor happened. And that was, you know, he was basically like everyone else. You know, when that atrocity happened and the day that would live in infamy, he pushed forward and said to my grandmother, because they had been dating at the time, he was like, I'm sorry, I got to go. And that's it. And it was, she understood. And he went. So he has this uh, moral call, as many did. He knows that he's got to mm -hmm. serve his country and really serve the world, you would say, in a sense. And yet, uh, I know reality often settles in at some point. Were there times when uh, he was really just scared to death? Actually, yes. From the time they boarded uh, the Higgins boat, after they were on the LCI waiting in the channel, and he boarded the Higgins boat, he really thought he was going to die because they knew at that point it wasn't practice anymore. And, you know, they, it was going to happen. But everybody was throwing up. These guys had no sustenance because it was all on the floor, the, the, the Higgins boat, by the time they were actually unloading, um, or if they were lucky enough to even get to the beach, I should say. There was, there was so much that happened just in the first four hours of the invasion. And what I love about his story is that he, he didn't hold anything back when talking about it. Um, and he, like, he carried his friend that was around six foot one or so, approximately 200 pounds. And my grandfather is relatively on the smaller side. He's like about five, seven. And he carried his friend 30 yards up the beach under fire and 
he got a bullet and he didn't even know he was dead or alive, but he pulled him up anyway because he wanted him out of the water. And then he finds out 75 years later that he made it off the beach. And thanks to Ancestry.com, we supplied him with the answer. Um, but I thought I was going to give him a heart attack when I told him he, he made it off the beach. So I, that was my only remorse about this whole entire story, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because I felt so, so bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was very enlightening and he told it with, with candor and respect to everybody who was in the story. Um, and it basically is not only his story, you could see it with his family as well. So here he is, he gets shipped off to war and his brother who was several years younger also went off to war, um, except he was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so my, my grandfather's on the front lines and here's his brother, Howie, that takes a, you know, he's an engineer. He's kind of like in a, a different type of uniform, let's put it that way. And basically he, you know, you see the interaction with the post that comes in to my grandfather and the parents are asking, you know, watch out for my Howie, my Howie. Now my grandfather is the oldest of three kids and, you know, his parents basically said, well, you can always watch out for yourself, but or, you know, Howie can't watch out for himself, but Howie wasn't in danger. It was, Danny was the one that was in danger. Danny was the one that was putting his life on the line. Um, and you can see this feud within the family and you can see the, the, not so much disrespect, but it was like a backhanded compliment that they were laying on him. That was so hurtful. Um, what we look at now as being hurtful and um, you don't know how it's a, a, a a guy can come back from that, right? How anyone mm. can come back from that, that they don't have the full support of their family behind them um, because they're so worried about another sibling. So his war story basically shows not only was he fighting on the front lines to make sure he dodged every German bullet that was coming toward him, he was now on another front, which was the home front, trying to defend his honor, his reasoning, his love of family, um, when all they basically did was trying to, I don't know, make him be subservient. So it's truly a telling story to anyone who um, feels like they need to give up or they, you know, there's no more fight. Why bother? There's always a fight and there's always a reason. And wow. it helps to basically you cherish those that you love and there's reasons why people are the way they are. This is amazing, Fawn, and I know your story and the story of your grandfather is resonating with my listeners. We have got to hear more about it, but we do have to step away just briefly. We're talking with Fawn Zwickel, co-author of From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. You've got to hear the rest of the story. It's amazing. It will impact you. More coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking with Fawn Zwickle. She is the co-author, along with her grandfather, Daniel Altman, of the book From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. And... Fawn, as we've been speaking, you know, catching your enthusiasm for your grandfather's story, uh, I thought there were several remarkable things in the first uh, segment that bear a little bit of uh, belaboring. I mean, one of them that we kind of passed by a bit quickly was this friend that your grandfather had saved, dragged up the beach. The guy had taken a bullet, and you said he did not know for 75 years that that individual had survived and had lived a apparently normal life after that. Yes. His name was Bronco Grizovich, and he they were together in boot camp. They were together all up until they hit the beach. And my grandfather, after he saw him go down, he couldn't take the time to look, but he quickly just saw blood going from the helmet. So he had assumed he got a bullet to the head and then that was it. But apparently the helmets had linings. So what happens is a bullet can go into the helmet and could scratch you. And of course, any head bleed or trauma is going to bleed. Um, so he basically had no idea he was alive. He assumed he was dead. Wow. And it, it almost so seems we, like he didn't want to know the truth and maybe just kind of cultivate hope that maybe he didn't die. So he never really checked into it, did he? Pretty much. And what happened was he always assumed he was he was gone. Um, and he it wasn't until, again, the 75 years later when we well, I, I actually reached out to the family and I found out that he lived a long life. He had two sons um, and never talked about what happened. So the sons had no idea. 
Wow, wow. It's amazing, Fawn. And, and one of the interesting implications of this to all of us is sometimes those chapters in our life history that we may not want to relive, that we thought were only bad. And I'm thinking of my friends throughout Indian country, whether it was time in a boarding school where there were atrocities taking place or whether it was uh, other examples of inhumane treatment and when they were trying to look out for people and didn't know the end of the story, you just remind us that many times when we go through real adversity, we're maybe afraid or for whatever reason we haven't tried to find out the conclusion or the so-called rest of the story, oftentimes there is a, a silver lining. There's some things where the Creator used us to make a difference in people's lives. Yes, and learning about one's story and the path that they traveled, it's huge because every minor detail to them could be something that is enormous to someone who's listening and mm -hmm. very impactful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like my grandfather's story was to me. The other interesting part of the story that you shared earlier had to do with this dynamic in the family. Now, your grandfather, Daniel, was one of how many children? Three. Three. And he was the oldest? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you mentioned Howie. So Howie, was he, you said three years younger? He was younger? the middle. He was the middle one. Three years younger, is that what I understood? Without me doing the math, yes, I believe three years younger. So basically, what was this dynamic like? Because we, we sensed in that last segment that there was uh, a lot of solicitude on behalf of, of Dan, your, your grandfather, of his parents, as far as Howie. Why were they so concerned about the younger brother and didn't seem to be all that uh, concerned about uh, your grandfather on the front lines? Well, all through childhood, when the boys were growing up, um, you know, Howie was the spoiled one. And when I say spoiled, it's not like he got very much. But when it comes to things that are intangible, like attention, love, admiration, um, those things are uh, beneficial and they cultivate a person's personality more than one can even say. And Howie got that in abundance in comparison to my grandfather. And presumably with Howie becoming an engineer, he was the better student of the two of them. Yes. And even after the war, he went on to uh, be a podiatrist. He went to medical school. Uh, they put everything into Howie. And as for my grandfather, it was just kind of like he was there, just floating in the wind. He was there. He did his own thing. He marched to his own drummer. And he made something of himself. Even in the adversity of his family, not truly understanding or taking the time to appreciate the value of him, he still did it anyway. Wow. I'll tell you, this is, uh, th this is a story that speaks to all of us because it doesn't matter whether it's our own family. It doesn't matter whether it's within the tribe. It doesn't matter if it's people outside. There are people that are always going to put us down. There are people that will not give us the value that we have. They will not recognize that. And yet, um, instead of that being an occasion for us to give up, Dan speaks to us. His example speaks to us of keep pressing forward, do the right thing, even if people aren't giving you credit for it. Yes, exactly. And he's, those lessons have basically trickled down to me. And I saw this, uh, you know, his experiences as 
the biggest lesson of all that how can these events that happened in your life not get any validation and people knowing about you and the remarkable story that you did. And this should touch every person because it is a story that could be relatable to anyone in any situation that if you are met with adversity, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and are you going to cry about it? Are you going to do something to change it? And what's in it to you? I mean, if you do something and you accomplish something, a goal, and it could be a little baby step of a goal, but regardless, it's something that's personal to you. And each little step is momentous is reaching that final, you know, that final goal and achievement. I love what you're sharing. You're telling us a story about someone who heard the call of duty on that fateful day in Pearl Harbor. He enlists in the army or in the military, and um, the crazy thing is that even though he ends up saving one man's life and being part of a group of people that, that saved whole populations, not really given the appreciation that he deserves even in his own family. And it's a story that I think everyone can relate to, and yet the story doesn't end with uh, Normandy because your grandfather, who's of Jewish bloodlines, ends up being involved with the Nuremberg trials. And for those who don't really know what those trials were all about, kind of bring us up to speed on that, Fawn. So the Nuremberg trials was basically, the, it was called the International Military Tribunal. And what the U.S. did was they formulated these trials that put the higher-ranking Nazis uh, who were basically the Germans um, on this on this stage of trial, and what the atrocities that they did, and they had to be held accountable for them. Well, and of course, the atrocities that have been most publicized are those to the race of which you identify with as a, a woman of Jewish ancestry. Of course, those atrocities weren't limited just exclusively to Jews, but they were the ones who uh, at least historically took the brunt of the uh, of the Nazi wrath, if you will. So help us understand what was involved in working on the Nuremberg trials uh, as far as uh, your grandfather's role. So after the Battle of the Bulge finally settled down, in essence, and we technically had won, um, the war closed out with the higher-ranking Nazis being pushed into a camp called Camp Ashkin. And this camp basically was a prisoner camp of the Nazis. Um, and my, my grandfather was a guard there. And then from there, they went on to Nuremberg, Germany. They were housed in Nuremberg prison. And what happened was the prosecution of the trials realized that they needed information on these guys because everything... They can't have a trial and not bring evidence as to why they're being condemned. Because you've got to remember, too, at the time, the German people thought nothing happened. So my grandfather was one of five. Um, they were enlisted men, but they were also officers. There were two officers and there were three sergeants, my grandfather included. They went around in a... Um, with a circle 
to Nuremberg, basically, in the closest radius to it, there were concentration camps. And what they had to do was they had to go back through and document everything. Now, to a Jewish person, making them witness the atrocities firsthand of what happened, I mean, the torturing, the uh, maligning, the indignity, the inhumanity of all of it was disgusting. To even hear him talk about the bodies that would be stacked up as cordwood, to it, it would just like, send chills up your spine to know what, what suffering truly was of, in, you know, of people. And um, he had to document all this. Wow. So, wow. I mean, this is amazing, Fawn. And uh, it's amazing to me that your grandfather was uh, forthright in sharing that with you. So many people would have just repressed that. It, it's, it's a very unique story, and it's connecting with us on many levels. We want to explore more dimensions of this amazing story of Daniel Altman, chronicled in the book From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. We're going to come back with more from Fawn Zwickle. Don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm speaking with Fawn Zwickel. She is the co-author, along with her grandfather, Daniel Altman, of a book called From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. And before we talk more about this compelling story, Fawn, the book is widely available, isn't it? Yes. Um, It can be gotten through Amazon.com. Barnes & Noble, or you could uh, directly go through McFarland Publishing. Okay, great. So for a lot of people, Barnes & Noble and Amazon kind of covers the gamut. And if they can remember either your name or your grandfather's name, that would probably help Zwickel, Z-W-I-C-K-E-L. But uh, just putting in that title, From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg, I'm sure they would come up with it. Yes. Fawn, we were speaking about this really amazing story. And, and I say it's so amazing. I'm, I'm thinking of my friends throughout Indian country who have experienced so many atrocities. And it's bad enough to go through that historical trauma. It's bad enough to go through that trauma yourself. But it can be very challenging to relive it. I've had patients who have uh, been, for example, survivors of concentration camps. And I know it's generally not an easy thing to talk about going through some of those horrific experiences. It seems to me unusual, the detail to which your grandfather shared these stories. Did he feel some kind of uh, compulsion to try to help other people, to give them insight? What was kind of going on in his mind as you, you look at his experience? So to tell you the truth, um, no, I, I basically was the antagonist. Uh, family is very important to, to me, to my parents, and that's how I was raised. And every time we'd all get together, my grandfather and I would always wind up talking in our own little circle of some sort. And he would rattle off these concentration camps, you know, all the time. And then finally, as this genealogy thing happened and we started investigating and the story started really unfolding, I said to him, you know, Grandpa, I'm a little confused because I know your unit had no, you didn't, you didn't go to these camps in terms of, um, you know, breaking them, helping them, that kind of thing. And he was like, no, 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 I didn't, no, I, I didn't do that. I went with there were five there were five of us and we traveled around all these camps and we talked, we gathered information, we documented, we learned about chairs that had needles coming up to poke people. We learned about disgusting things that you would never even imagine a human being wanting to do to another human being. And I had to write it all down. I I was left beyond speechless that I said, Why? I don't I don't get it. But I I'm just finding out now for all the times that you talked about things. And so my uncle pulls me aside and he basically says that, you know, grandpa has dementia and the stage that he's in, he's reflecting over the past like it happened yesterday. Hmm. So be careful because he is going to be absorbed in all of this. Like he relived it yesterday and it's traumatizing enough. So that's why this story came the way it was. It was kind of my fault that I almost felt like I opened Pandora's box. But because family and history, and like I said earlier, everything that, the, that a person goes through in their life, it has meaning and it has value. If not to them because it was insignificant at the time, it could mean a tremendous amount to somebody else. Hmm. 
-hmm. and you learn from everything. So that's how that happened. And he um, is now in the seventh stage of dementia. So we try to keep him actually away from talking about what happened during World War II. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But basically, you know, it was him. It was my instigating him to tell me more. I wanted to know more. I was hungry to know more because he experienced it. Therefore, I felt compelled to know and experience it, or at least as best as I could. Now, Fawn, in addition to being a loving granddaughter, uh, you're a mother, you have a couple of children, you're also a doctoral student in psychology. Did that interest in mental health, uh, do you think some of that dates back to your engagement with your, your grandfather and some of the mental health challenges that he faced as a result of his military service? Yes. Definitely. Uh, so much so that I basically formulated a research proposal that demonstrates the need to protect, support, and then retrain all military service personnel to avoid the likes of what my grandfather has experienced with PTSD, because they need to be demilitarized. They need to know how to function as a civilian again, where what they've seen, which no civilian can relate to, um, they need to know how to reprocess it to live healthy and treatment that PTSD does not rear its head, um, you know, 70 years down the road mm -hmm. because they have, you know, research has showed that PTSD does actually do things to your amygdala and it does, you know, your hippocampus and your, these structures in your brain are literally altered because your mind doesn't know how to process what you've just experienced. Wow. Wow. So yes, it has. No, I mean, this is powerful stuff, and, and I'll tell you, I'm inspired, and I think my listeners uh, in general are inspired, because here, Fawn, you're not just a storyteller, you're not just a co-author, but you're putting these things that you've seen so powerfully in your own family to work in your own life, and I know it's not just being a doctoral student in psychology, you're also a volunteer in the Veterans Affairs System, right? Yes, I volunteer at the VA in Lyons, New Jersey. And it's with a program that's called No Veteran Dies Alone, which allows me to sit at the bedside of a veteran that wishes company so they aren't alone. And it's a hospice unit. I feel very honored and proud to give back in any capacity that I possibly can with individuals that have sacrificed a great deal. Um, so, But unfortunately, since the COVID-19 has entered the state of New Jersey, volunteer services were cut because they want to basically protect the patients and the staff, which is something that's obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing the intersection of things that we're talking about. So we're talking about issues of trauma. And again, in Indian country, whether a person's tuning in and they've experienced discrimination, they've experienced mistreatment, they've experienced historical trauma, whether they've been uh, uh, on the front lines. Many Native Americans, you're probably aware, Fawn, have served uh, uh, their country, served our nation in the military, whether they're dealing with PTSD from uh, combat experience. People are hearing the, the story, and those who are not Native who are tuning in, even if they've never been on the front lines, we're talking about a shared experience that all of us go through difficult times, challenging times. Those things can, can traumatize us. They can cause us to give up. There are people that end up taking their own lives. There are others that uh, 
in spite of the challenges, seem to thrive, seem to grow stronger, seem to have greater resolve and greater purpose. Your grandfather came back from that ordeal. Did I understand correctly he was not married when he left for overseas? No, he was married. He was married. So what happened was when he was in boot camp, uh, his mother would keep calling Howie home through the Red Cross. And you're only allowed so many furloughs. So what happened was he was actually demoted uh, thanks to his brother and his mother. And then there was, it was during the last furlough, December 12th, it was December 11th, sorry, uh, 1943. My grandmother said, let's just get married. Uh, she had everything she planned, but they, they restructured everything and they got married. So before he shipped out overseas, because he left out of Camp Edwards, Massachusetts, he left March 10th. Wow. Now, there's there's more to this this family dynamic than we appreciated earlier. So what is this about someone getting demoted? Was that your grandfather? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk, yeah. He was, so he was the, he was penalized and subjected to a lot of things because of his, just his, the way he was. He was a small man packed into, you know, he, he shot out a very large package. Let's put it that way. He was, he had a lot to defend, but he was, he, and he was very honorable. He is very honorable. Um, but basically he, <laughs> their stories, and of course they're in the book, but there's one in particular that resonates the loudest, which is he was being picked on for the religion again. And, um, he chased the guy down the street with a bayonet telling him he'll kill him because he kept insulting, you know, my grandfather because he was calling them some Jewish, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about. So he, yeah, he chased him down the street with a bayonet. The problem was the guy was a lieutenant. <laughs> and at the time, my, grandpa, my grandfather was only, um, I believe he had gotten his sergeant stripes by that time. So what they did was they demoted him back down. Uh, they broke them down to private, I believe, or private first class. Because back then, you didn't just go down one rank. They put you down to whatever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And also, if, you are, if your good deeds weren't seen in front of somebody, then they weren't seen, which also really irritated me um, about, you know, even the fight with the Army Review Board. I mean, there's so much to his story. It's like chock full of amazing things. But once again, you, you can apply to so many events in a person's life. Um, And I just felt it necessary to not only document them, but also to research more because there are other families that have gone through this also. It's not just mine. Mm -hmm. And it's not Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's not just my grandfather. One of the things, Fawn, that is really touching me is how uncivil we've become in society, how we don't realize the stories of people. Here we're talking about your grandfather, Daniel Altman, and the book that you wrote together from Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. But um, there's heroes all around us. That hero might be a widow who, uh, you know, raised her five children. It may be that elder, that tribal elder, who maybe you don't know all that well, but you see him every now and then on the reservation, and you don't know their story. You don't know the kind of sacrifices they went through. And it's, sometimes it's easy to 
minimize people, to put people down if we don't know where they've been. And I really hear in this story a story about kind of every man, every person, and uh, trying to really understand where they've been. Yes, and it's also to connect families. I mean, it is imperative that kids learn from their parents. The parents have to, you know, if you're lucky enough to have your grandparents, sit down and listen. Be present with each conversation. Live in the moment with them. Learn their experiences. I mean, it's it's as simple as, like, everybody congregates around the kitchen. Everybody, like, most people that I know always congregate around food. And whatever the talking points are, I mean, that's, that's your family's personality. That's your family's character. It's the heritage. It's the legacy. And if you don't, if those don't transcend down, then they're lost. And it only diminishes the value of what the family truly was to start with. So I'm just hoping that, you know, by me documenting a story and getting it out there, not only will kids have another resource to go to uh, in terms of learning history, but also that, you know, people could walk alongside someone and, you know, know that they're not alone, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. family feuds and things like that. Nobody's alone. Everybody goes through something. It's just how you manage it. Well, Fawn, so much powerful stuff. I know you got some amazing content that we're going to share in our final segment. We do have to step away just briefly. You're listening to Fawn Zwickle, co-author of From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg. We will be back with our final segment right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. 
Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Fawn Zwickle. She is co-author, along with her grandfather, Daniel Altman, of a book called From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg, A Memoir of World War II Combat and the International Military Tribunal. Fawn, we've been talking about this amazing story, just some chapters of it in the life of your father, uh, grandfather, Daniel. And we've been drawing lessons, things that relate to our own challenges, the people around us, and having a regard for folks that sometimes we've not appreciated. I think one of the hardest things in hearing about your grandfather's story is just to realize his sense of duty, his sacrifice, and yet often not even regarded by his own family. Uh, That had to be hard for him. Yes, it was. And it was kind of something that was when he got home from service and was honorably discharged, it was swept under the rug, and he basically got on with his life. He let them be who they were because that's who they were. There was no changing them. And he knew who he was, and he knew who and what he sacrificed to be and come back and to make something of themselves. You know, Fawn, so many times we hear these stories about PTSD, and I know you and I have talked in more detail than you've shared on air about how there's no question in your mind as a doctoral student in psychology that your grandfather did indeed have PTSD. Um, We hear stories so many times about these tragic endings whether it's suicide or other things, just dropping off the radar screen, uh, divorce, uh, family problems, and individuals with this condition. Yet uh, your grandfather, in spite of going through, I mean, really, all these horrific things, and not just the battle that he saw, but also having to go through the records of his countrymen, his fellow Jews, and how they were treated— and uh, then coming back to a family that didn't appreciate him. I, I mean, it's almost like a story, like you say, well, boy, if I'm sitting here complaining today about how people are treating me, I got it easy. I mean, is is that, did you walk away with that feeling at any time? Everybody has triggers. And I know that he expressed to me his, his trigger when he got home, basically, was that he remembered what a doctor told him, that, you know, if he's going to wake up every night and he's going to have sweats, be nauseous and have all the symptoms of PTSD because he can't, for, he can't forget anything that happened. He has to learn to calm the triggers down and he had to basically do it himself. But basically he, because of that generation, because of the way the generation was, they never talked about it. Hmm. So again, I feel like I'm the one that brought up the ghost from the past, but if it weren't for me and the love that I have for, you know, researching and investigating and, and asking questions. Um, I used to say there's never a dumb question, but 
I, I do know that there's a way to reiterate a question until you get the answer that you're looking for. And that mm -hmm. makes you feel like, okay, I'm complete now. So I feel, I feel like this book was an outlet and a closure for him on many levels. Um, and I'm hoping that people that read it will hear it in the way it was told. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's obvious, and you've shared this with us, that the story of your grandfather has impacted you personally. It's shaped your role as a, as a doctoral student in psychology. It's inspired you to be a volunteer in the VA service. It's no doubt affected your family as well. Is that safe to say? Yes, it's very safe to say. Um, you know, history is, it's always great when it's learned through your family. And yes, everything that my grandfather's been through has, it's been a domino effect. Everybody in my family has been affected. But the wonderful thing is the more people that talk about it within our family, that obviously, you know, lets other people outside of our nucleus know and hear about stories, then that's how something is you know, remembered and it resonates with people and it makes them stronger. It makes them prouder. It makes them honored and fight for things because, you know, why give up if, if you're so close to the end game? Finish the game. Get it done. Fawn, you know, speaking of that uh, giving up, we have not talked about this and it may not have been something your grandfather ever shared. Maybe he never went down this path, but there are so many people who go through whether it's personal mistreatment, whether it's the scars of PTSD, whether it's seeing uh, combat and then bringing that back home, whether it's dealing with racism, and they contemplate taking their life. Did your grandfather ever share getting close to just throwing in the towel on the whole the whole deal, the whole uh, the whole business of living? He did. Uh, from what my grandmother told me, he did. Uh, and it wasn't until they had my mom, who was the first of three, that he was just, he, he never even, he was surprised he even thought about giving up. Um, when she came in the picture, everything, it was the game changer for him. Wow. But obviously the way he reacts is different. It's, everybody's situation is different. But, you know, he didn't have someone to talk to. There was no doubt. My grandmother was not very sympathetic nor understanding because how could she be, right? She'd never experienced uh, nearly a, a fraction of what he'd seen. But basically, it, you know, he, he fought. He was a fighter. But that's a generational thing. And I'm really hoping that our generation will see and learn and, and, and finally, you know, take on some, I don't know, like some gumption and some strength and courage to finally say, you know what, we can do this too. This is in our mm -hmm. heritage. It's in our DNA as Americans to be strong, be powerful and enable us to, you know, make a, a brighter future, a better future. But, um, you know, to throw in the towel and to give up, there's always, there's always another way that last result or that, that, you know, that last, it, it, that's it. It's over. So is, it, is that you're out? Is that what you really want for yourself and for your family and what you want to leave behind? So there are some people that have that ability to reach out and there are others that need a little help. So please reach out and you're the one that's got to take that initiative. If you don't, then nobody's ever going to know. 
So just like relating back to my grandfather's story, if I didn't ask and I didn't keep going and going and be persistent, I don't think I ever would have found the answers to nearly half the things I've discovered through my research or through just questioning him and asking. And he was happy. He was so happy at the beginning to even talk about it at the length that he did. Fawn, I hear several applications to what you're sharing. One is if someone's tuning in today and they feel like things are looking hopeless, look for a place to give you meaning and purpose. It may not be a child coming into the family as it was with your grandfather, but something to to focus your energies, to give you hope, to give you meaning, give you purpose. I hear that coming through loud and clear. But I hear another dimension too, and that is the power that there is in just reaching out. And I I heard you making that plea to, to my listeners and really to the world. If you're going through difficult times, it's all right. In fact, it's healthy to ask for help. Tell us a little bit more about that. You know, pride is a very damning thing. It can be wonderful, but it also is very damning. And, you know, we all know somebody that is so prideful and so unable to look past themselves that they are, you know, sometimes even too good to ask for help because they want to figure it out on their own. We can't all be perfect. We can't all reach that. So if you've reached that point, don't let your pride get in the way of what can make you great. Fawn, I so appreciate uh, what you've been sharing on today's show, and I know my listeners do as well. I hope that uh, that you've heard that last uh, plea from Fawn's Wickle, and that is no matter what you're dealing with today, no matter what challenges you're facing, there are better times ahead. You don't know what you're going to miss out on if um, you do something rash today. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a child uh, coming your way. That might be more scary than anything, but uh, there is. There is hope and there is purpose and there is meaning. And whether you find that in a creator, whether you find that in community, whether you find it by sharing your stories that others need to hear, wow, I am so glad that uh, Daniel was able to pass on those stories to you. They've touched us all. Fawn, as we wind up, If someone wants to pick up the book, give us the name of the book again and where they can purchase it. Sure. It's From Omaha Beach to Nuremberg, a memoir of World War II combat and the International Military Tribunal. And you all can get it at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or McFarland Publishing. And you can reach out to us on Facebook. It's Omaha to Nuremberg. And we'd be glad to, you know, answer any questions and just talk if you want. I encourage all posting. Thanks so much, Fawn. Again, from Omaha Beach to Nuremberg, keep that in mind whether you're looking for the book or on Facebook, and you can connect with Fawn Zwickle. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully today's show has helped you appreciate the heritage that you have in your family, in your tribe, in your community. Hopefully it helps you realize that you are special and that you've got a future. Hang in there. For all of us in American Indian Living, indeed, I am Dr. David DeRose, and as always, I'm wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.